Stand Up for the Truth is sponsored by Lakeshore Communications Incorporated and made possible by your generous tax-deductible donations at StandUpForTheTruth.com slash donate. This is Stand Up for the Truth, a packed hour of challenging discussion addressing important issues and topics affecting Christians across the nation. Join the conversation via email at comments at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Now, David Fiorazzo. Hello, brothers and sisters in Christ. Thank you so much for tuning in and the great response to yesterday's podcast on the issue of life in the womb with Pastor Jack Hibbs. And uh, thank you for sharing that one. Um, very important uh, referendum on the ballot in California in November. And their tri- corporations, as you know, are trying to get um, young girls and women to cross state lines into states that allow abortion and have uh, no restrictions on them. And that's the ploy they're going to be using as we get closer to the November elections. And I would imagine other states are going to take an, a cue from California. And I think there's a, a couple other states that have this wicked legislation. So um, keep your eyes op- open for that, and we'll be talking more about that. Um, the last segment today, we've got to address socialism and the um, ways that um, – Biden's student loan bailout is immoral and why Christians should not support this so-called loan forgiveness. Um, It's really amazing that they're doing this and they're pulling out all the stops and at the same time sending $3 billion more over to Ukraine. So we'll talk about that later in the podcast. But let's get some foundation set here. Let's go to the Word of God. That's our, our lens that we see the world through the Bible. And we're going to talk about the book of Daniel today. I've got a brother in Christ here on the line from uh, Long Island, New York. His name is Pastor Claude Stauffer. He's a graduate of Hofstra University and Asbury Theological Seminary. And he's been in ministry since 1986 when I was traveling with Christian rock bands and had a mullet. Uh, He has been the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel of Hope in Amityville, New York since 1993. And he has served bivocationally for years as a pastor and social worker, and then he became a chaplain on the New York State Chaplaincy Task Force. And uh, Pastor Claude has been married to his wife, Dee, since 1980. They have three grown children, and they are all married. And he's got a brand-new book out, and I believe this is literally hot off the press. It's called Don't Give Up, Don't Give In, God Is My Judge, it's an inductive study of the book of Daniel. Claude Stauffer, welcome to Stand Up for the Truth, brother. Good morning, bro. Good morning. Good yeah, thanks so much for, for all you do. I've, I was looking at some of the other books that you've written. I'm going, wow, you've, you've done a lot of these inductive studies. So first of all, uh, since this is uh, a new opportunity for listeners to get to know you a little bit, share a little bit about your being a pastor and the church and the location, everyone in different parts of the country, go wow, Long Island, you know. I'm <laughs> so uh, tell us a little bit about uh, your ministry there. Okay, well, uh, as you said, our the church here was. Uh, I started this church out of my living room, and now we are uh, we're in uh, Amityville in a, in our own uh, facility. We've been there. We've been here since 2004. So uh, this church uh, was started in in 1993. Uh, we have a radio station called uh, that we uh, refer to as God Still Speaks. Uh, that we have uh, 24/7. We have worship and, and uh, Bible teaching, and uh, as well as some others, uh, some other uh, spots. Um, and uh, we're a Calvary Chapel, so what we emphasize is the teaching of God's Word in every facet of ministry. We go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. Uh, through the Bible, and that's really the impetus for the, all the books that I've written. I, uh, when I prepare my messages, I, I write them out in a manuscript and, with an eye towards one day uh, putting them in book form. So, um, And now with the advent of, cert, of, of certain uh, tools like uh, Kindle Direct Publishing, hmm. and, uh, you know, it just makes it, it, it it's another way of uh, putting God's Word in someone's hands. And... Um, you know that's that's uh, that's basically it. I've, I'm I'm born in, I was born in uh, Queens. I was basically lived my entire life on Long Island, except for the three years where I was in seminary. And um, you know, I just bro, my I keep it real simple. Hmm. Um, if it's in the Word, I'm all for it. I try to 
to do everything, every counseling, every everything that we do is uh, just just very close to God's word. We don't want to deviate outside the parameters Amen. of God's word, and, and that is so important today. Yes, you know, in our day, because unfortunately, there are there are segments of the church which have, which are now minimizing the importance of the authority of God's word, and forsaken God's word for more uh, cultural trendy types of things. Yeah, forsaken is a good word. It's uh, the yeah. apostasy, uh, the falling away. You know, uh, yeah. you know, Jude uh, said they've crept in among us, talking about yeah. false teachers, and and I think of people like Francis Schaeffer who have war- have warned for decades about the abandoning inerrancy of Scripture and the church, the, the churches that are accommodating, and actually denominations have they have, they have caved. Yeah. But I'm looking at some of your books quickly on your Amazon page. Uh, you've done. Uh, studies on Isaiah, Jeremiah, I see um, Ephesians and Zechariah. Thank you for doing prophets, by the way, and doing yeah. some prophecy. A lot of pastors don't want to tackle prophecy. Well, I'll tell you something, Dave. Um, the prophetic books are so relevant hmm. for our day because so much of what God was indicting Israel for as a nation we as a nation and as a church can be indicted for very similar types of things. Yeah. And then, of course, the call to repentance. You know, repentance today, it's a dirty word, you know. I mean, <laughs> everything is easy believism-oriented. And, um, you know, really, uh, Jesus called, John the Baptist called people to repentance. Jesus called people to repentance. The apostles called people to repentance. Well, you know what? I think we ought to as well. Well, what are we? I was just going to say, what are we doing? They call people to repentance. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. What are we doing? We're trying to grow grow our churches. We're trying to be yeah. be seeker sensitive. Oh, you don't want to use the word repentance. That sounds anyway. Claude, your brand new book, and it, it is it is brand new. Uh, it, it's available on Amazon. It is is it also available through your church, or where else can people get a hold of it? Yeah, we have copies at my church, and we, you can also be uh, ordered. It's in both paperback and Kindle. Mm-hmm. So if you wanted the book, you could go to Amazon right now, and in a matter of seconds, uh, you could have the book. And, uh, you know, the advantage of Kindle is that, you know, any words that you don't understand, you can you can look them up, and, and uh, automatically they are in the Kindle format. And it's just easy to, to scroll and to copy and to, to paste and do things like that. So it's it's very uh, it's very helpful. Great. Uh, in that regard. Great. And friends, again, it's uh, called Don't Give Up, Don't Give In. God is my judge. Claude Stauffer, S-T-A-U-F-F-E-R. You can find him on Amazon and the website, his church website, calvarychapelofhope.org. So the uh, table of contents, I'm just looking at you know the titles here just to give people an idea of, we're just going to touch on uh, several of these. We can't get in depth. I mean, the book Gosh, it is a thick volume, and so we can only touch on this today. And a couple stories that are somewhat familiar to uh, most of our listeners, and maybe uh, your thoughts as your commentary uh, shared in the book. Um, God is my judge, my revealer, my igniter, my great, gracious king, my deliverer, my eternal king. Uh, God holds my future. God is my strength, prepares me for the future. God will judge. And then the conclusion, what does it mean to be um, what, what does it mean to dare to be a Daniel? So let's start right there, Claude. And you, in the introduction, you quote C.T. Studd and mm-hmm. a very cool message on uh, being a true soldier of Christ. Uh, what led you? Was it during the time you were writing the book and you came across the quote or you just uh, really relished his writings and that quote for quite a while? Well, well, C.T. Study to give you some uh, context. He wrote. He lived between. He was born 19, uh, 1860 and lived until 1931. He was um, a professional cricket player in England. He was kind of the Michael Jordan of cricket, and uh, was extremely popular. And then, by way of a crusade, he accepted Christ as his savior, and the Lord so powerfully uh, saved him that uh, he felt a call into into missions. And uh, he was, you know, this was, he was, became a no-nonsense, totally on fire, committed uh, believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. And uh, one of the, one of his, one of the things he's most uh, remembered for, uh, besides his mission work, he did mission work in India and in in, uh, China, in in, uh, Africa. But he wrote this piece, it's called um, uh, The Chocolate uh, Soldier, 
<laughs> and uh, I just encourage any of you listeners, you can go on YouTube and uh, and uh, search for it, and there there are um, you know presentations of it. But you can also go online and get it uh, for free, really. And just read that thing, and it is so challenging, bro. Hmm. Uh, and I, for some reason, the Lord led me by providence. I stumbled across this, and to me, it just it fit perfectly, uh, really, into the narrative, into the into the life and history of uh, the prophet Daniel. You know, yeah. and uh, the premise for the for the chocolate soldier. <laughs> is that, you know, chocolate soldiers melt when the heat is turned up. Mm. Don't be a chocolate soldier, <laughs> you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, Dave, David, I've been, uh, I, I read your uh, book on canceling Christianity, and I've, I've listened to some of your podcasts. And, and, bro, we are kindred heart because I, I'm mm. right there with you. Amen. We Amen. are being so challenged, and the enemy is turning up the heat um, and unfortunately, I think what we're seeing in much of the church is that it is composed of a lot of chocolate soldiers that are melting as the heat gets turned up, you know. Oh, and um, and that's why Daniel, the book of Daniel, is oh, just such an incredible book. It's so relevant because here's Daniel taken out of Jerusalem, taken out of Israel, uh, into captivity by the Babylonians, and him and his friends are singled out because they, you know, they 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 looked they were strong uh, human resources, and um, it's the story about how these uh, three men of God, you know, engulfed in evil, engulfed in darkness, just will not compromise. Mm. They will not compromise their faith. They will not bend. They will not break. They won't give up. They won't give in. Why? Because God is my judge. Mm. You know, God is my judge. And, um, you know, when we say God is my judge, it's not, you know, we, we, we might, you know, to be, you know, judgmental and all this kind of stuff. The world really frowns upon that, and even Christians. And when we hear that, it might sound harsh. And God is a sovereign judge. One day we'll stand before the Lord. But it's, it's more than that. It's, it's an expression of the, the, the sovereignty of God and mm. his, his presence that he will be there. You know, like in Daniel chapter 3, in the midst of fiery furnace, who do we see? Who does, who does Nebuchadnezzar see with the three, with Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, another who is like the Son of Man? Mm. It's Jesus. Yes. And Jesus is there with us. You know, we're never alone. We're never standing against that um, school council alone. We're not standing against our friends at work at lo- alone. We're not standing, you know, in our families alone. Jesus is there with us to help us not to melt, you know, and to help us to be strong. Amen, brother. So, you know, it's it's such an awesome book. I mean, yes. I just, you know, <laughs> it's just an it's just an incredible book. It's so relevant. I, I actually uh, am going to be teaching at the Calvary Chapel Bible College, New York City, uh, beginning the semester this Friday, and they, they give me permission. I'm going to be able to teach my book to the students. Oh, cool. And, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to that because that, to me, is a real mission field. You know, one of the things—forgive me for going on. Not, but, no, it's okay. You know, you know, one of the things that the enemy does and that we see today, where, where is the enemy—who is the enemy targeting? He's not targeting people like you and me so much, David. Um, he's targeting young people. He's targeting the youth. He's targeting even the the new— the the, the there's preschoolers, kindergartners, yes. elementary yeah. school kids. I mean, it's it's he's savage. The enemy is savage in in what he wants to do. So, you know, we need to to not give up our youth, not give up this generation. You know, Lenin and and Hitler. You know, when you look at the at the uh, these movements, you know, communism, Nazism. And to a certain extent, socialism, which which is a prerequisite or a precursor to communism. Yes. You see, they go after the youth. They go after the youth. You know, if you're if you got your kids in public school, uh, you better pay close attention to what they're being taught. Oh my goodness! You yes. know, when when I when my kids were young, I we we put them in public school purposefully because we felt it was a mission field. Hmm. And we were and we were very engaged and very involved, bro. I I could not honestly do that if if my if I were having kids today, I could not put my kids 
in a public school, uh, at least for the most part. I mean, I can't speak for every public school, but right. there's such garbage that's being um, spewed and, um, and well, poured out on our kids. It's yes. just not a fair, not a fair. Uh, it's interesting. Field, you know. It's interesting when you put it in that way. The enemy does want to go after kids because, and he's raising up Satan is and his minions a a, a generation yeah. of godless. Really, you can almost say antichrist uh, mm-hmm. people that are going to eventually be in the workforce. They are some are going to become leaders, and they're growing up in this system. And we're not saying. I mean, there there are some Christian teachers and. Public education, but we've talked about this quite a bit on the podcast. I don't want to stray too yeah. far, but I, right. I acknowledge your point. The enemy does obviously. The war, there's warfare against us, against Christians as adults and who are active, especially. Um, but there, he is reaching a lot of kids and discipling. They are discipling children. Let's get back to one of the points you make. Actually, in chapter one of your book, it's you say a conformity is one of Satan's strategies. And really early on in Daniel, you know, the king's trying to get uh, the Daniel and his, his friends to eat his delicacies. Share a little bit about that. I find that to be very interesting. And some of us would kind of excuse that or, or read through that quickly. So give us a couple nuggets from that, Claude. Well, you see, for the Babylonians, the, the treasure, the booty that they uh, would uh, acquire from the, from the empires of the nations that they um, that they defeated was not merely silver and gold. They were much more prudent than that. They were much more insightful than that. They knew that um, that the real treasure was the human resources, mm. right? So when, when you have Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, when you have these these three young, probably you know, teenager, early twenty uh, age uh, Jews come in there. And uh, and they were tested. I mean, they they all tested. It's like they took a test, and they all were at the top of the class. So what what the, 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 what the, the Babylonians did was they began to try to uh, work to assimilate the uh, these young people or these human resources by getting them to compromise mm. their culture. Right, eat yep. different foods, do certain things, uh, things that were. You know, it starts off in drips and drabs. And, and David, we see the exact same thing in our culture yeah. today. You know, it, it started off on television, you know, the the more risque type things. You know, we went from Father Knows Best to, to Soap and to, to all, all of these other types of programs that kind of, you know, were comical and made people laugh. But there was an insidious underlying thing that was going on there, and yeah. that is, you know, lower your standard, lower your standard, you know, paint people of uh, who who are promoting lifestyles and practices that the Bible calls sinful, paint them as funny, yes. paint them as attractive, likable, paint them, what's that? Likable, yeah, likable. Oh yes, mm-hmm. absolutely, you know, mm-hmm. and and paint everybody else like paint Christians as buffoons. As harsh, mean-spirited, angry, unloving people, you know, and and that's uh, and uh, you you really see Christianity is being marginalized uh, big time. I mean, you can just you see it, and and you know, any student of history, if you look at what that the the, um, the environment, the societal environment leading up to the rise to power of Hitler. Uh, or if you look at you look at the societal environment leading up to the rise of communism, you know, with 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 Lenin and Stalin and all these things, th- this is a common uh, denominator, yeah, a common practice. And and it's I look at what's going on um, through liberalism. You know, liberalism used to stand for freedom of speech, you know, quality things like that in a in a good way. Not today. Now it's my way or the highway, hmm. you know, and it's and it's um, it's just you really see comply or die. That's that's it. Cancel Christian, cancel Christianity. That's really what we see in our country and really throughout the world. You know, this this movement, you know, it's let's tear it all down and rebuild it and reset it. Yeah. Right. We are already up against our first break. Claude Stoffer, your book, I would encourage people to check it out on Amazon. It's brand new. It's called Don't Give Up, Don't Give In. God is My Judge. It's an inductive study of the book of Daniel. 
We'll uh, talk about some more when we come back, including uh, we'll wrap up this uh, section on uh, Chapter 1 and talk about the fiery furnace and other things. What can we learn? Some takeaways from Daniel next on Stand Up For The Truth. Your monthly financial support of StandUpForTheTruth.com is needed and appreciated. Now, back to today's Stand Up For The Truth with David Fiorazzo. So on page 29 of the book by Claude Stauffer, it says, If you seek to live your life governed by God, you will inevitably face frictions and confrontations with this fallen world. Daniel and his three friends entered their captivity with a set of eternal values that they proposed, that they purposed in their heart, they would not depart from. And these eternal values serve to anchor them and keep them from spiritual drifting. They served as a steady force when the current of the world around them pushed against them. And Daniel and his friends were stable and knew what they should do in any given situation. Uh, Claude, I want to stop right there. I think that's such an important point, and I want to move on from the first chapter. <laughs> so there's so much more to talk about, but it's yeah. very important to have that foundation. I love that you use the word anchor yeah. and to keep them from spiritual drifting because with all the distractions and, and temptations and, and lures of the world, it is really is much easier to drift than it is to stay uh, rooted and grounded. I'd love for you to right. share more on that. Well, that's really really the strategy of Satan. You know, there, there's two there's two aspects of this, I think. You know, the strategy, when you look at the strategy of Satan, Satan doesn't confront, I mean, blatantly, unless he feels he's in a position to absolutely win, no doubt, right? So, so that kind of gives me pause and, and and is a source of concern for me because what I see today in in liberalism and leftist and in and in the move right this this progressive move are so blatant and so and so uh vocal and so overt it it tells me wow they must really feel as though this is a done deal mm. right yeah the only problem with that is we know that you know the lord will the lord will triumph and we and we aren't you know so many people so many christians they retreat into isolation right mm-hmm. they isolate themselves from the world jesus never taught that jesus said be salt and be light mm. in other words infiltrate this world and influence this world in every aspect of this world, whether it's education, whether it's politics. I know a lot of Christians are, are very much standoffish with politics. But, mm. you know, as we were talking in the break, uh, David, you know, where were Christians when prayer was taken out of the school? Where were Christians when the Ten Commandments were taken out of the school? Where were Christians, you know, when Roe versus Wade was implemented, was decided? You know, where was the voice, the Christian voice? What might have happened? What might, what, what different direction would might this uh, country have taken if Christians, you know, answered their call? Mm. And you see, we look at this. We look. You just look at the history of television. You know, everybody likes television. Look at the history of television over the last five or six decades, right? <laughs> wow. And, and I mean, it's. Yeah. I mean, you could do a. You could. You know, the history of television. Man, it is not a pretty sight if you have a Christian worldview. Yeah, that's just it. In terms of biblical morality, if you look at the right. history of television, because uh, it's just entertainment, right? Like so many right. other things, sports yeah. and yeah. gaming and other things. But television, there's a reason they call it programming. Right, yes. Claude, and I, I just want to get back to to uh, end up uh, the end of chapter one because I want to get into chapter two of right. Daniel because it's it's important to touch on a few of these points just to remind people or refresh uh, people's memories. But you say you talk about sanctification at the end of chapter one in your book, and you say it is by being different from the world that yes. we draw the attention of the world and gain an opportunity to witness. Yet much of the church has fallen into the trap of thinking we have to become like the world to attract the world. And then you say when the church seeks to win the world by becoming like the world, the church has not won the world. The world has won the church. Preach it, brother. I tell you, that's, (laughs) you know, 
a lot of times I I would be writing writing this book, writing these writing these words, and my heart is breaking. Mm. You know, my heart is just breaking for our country. You know, I I know as a Christian that you know my citizenship is in heaven. Yeah, amen. Right, but um, but you know I'm still a, a a patriot of the country. You know, Jeremiah was a patriot of Israel. You know, uh, the prophets were patriots. Uh, they weren't always received as such. Oftentimes they were accused, like Jeremiah, you know, uh, were accused of being traitors mm-hmm. to the country because they spoke the truth. And I think, um, you know, as as Christians, you know, the thing that, that just totally, um, totally uh, breaks my heart is the way the church has adopted worldly means, secular means, to mm-hmm. try to do spiritual ministry. Yes. Right? Now I'm not ta- I, I don't mean to say we should disregard technology otherwise you and me would not would not be having this conversation. Mm-hmm. But what I am saying is, you know, uh, where is the spirit in what's being done? Where is prayer? Do you proceed this is everything you do is it is it is prayer a prerequisite? You know, is it is it relying truly relying on the Lord or is it on smoke and mirrors and and uh, and uh, you know presentation and all of these different types of things and that's where sanctification comes in the word sanctify means literally to be set apart by god for his use but to, unfortunately today you look at the church and you look at the world and there's no there's no distinguishable difference people are people in churches today they're, they're not even carrying their bible now granted they might have their bible on their phone or their ipad or something like that but you you catch my drift it's just it's a whole different thing we go to church to make ourselves feel better mm. that's not really not church churches no. for who churches the ecclesia the 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 uh, the the uh, gathering of god's people to worship him to hear from him to, to love equipped. on him and to have yeah. him love on us and it's you know it's it, I think we've lost, and you know, one of the main things of lost in the church today, you know, it tells us, Paul writing to um, uh, young pastor Timothy, he referred to the church as the pillar of truth. Mm. Wow. Right? When when Jesus was being, was being um, you know, not interviewed, but, you know, you know, addressed by Pilate in John chapter 18, verse 37, Jesus, I, Jesus defined or Jesus explained his mission as being a witness to the truth. Mm-hmm. Amen. I mean, I mean, where is the church? Is the church a witness to truth, to biblical truth? And, and I, I'm, I, I'm sorry, I keep using the word unfortunately because you know it, it's just so sad that mm. the church has it's it doesn't want to step on people's toes it it's relinquished its position it's relinquished its power it's 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 relinquished the truth mm-hmm. in order to be you know accepted in order to be trendy and, and the idea right we we have like in the seeker friendly churches and churches that are trendy oriented their their idea of ministry is that well we'll we'll be like the world we'll attract the world once the world is in the church then we'll Teach the word to them, then we'll decide, then we'll change them, we'll disciple them. That's not that's not God. That is, that's not when I look at the Book of Acts. That's not how God did it. Not at all. He, 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 you you come to the church, you repent, and put and confess your sins to the Lord, and you put you you trust Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, and you come to join the church to worship Him and thank Him. And, and and live your life as a loving as an act of loving appreciation for all that he has done for you by his grace that's the church that's what christians should do and that's what we see in the book of daniel hmm. no compromise you know and and the all the impressions that daniel made on, on nebuchadnezzar on belteshazzar uh, on, on you know on, on all of the the kings all of the authorities that we see in the book of daniel the impression was made on them, for, you know, because of the difference, the distinctive difference of Daniel, you uh, see, which is a yes. to- totally different mindset than what we see in, in the church today. 
today we want to be like the world to attract the world. Daniel said, no, I'm going to not compromise. I'm going to be distinctively different and sanctified unto the Lord, and then let the Lord influence. Mm. You know, he, his, he, his closeness to the Lord, his faith, you know, in the den of lions, these things made him stand out as different and attracted the lost and fallen world to God through his distinctive sanctification and difference, right? And it's a comp- see. See, we've totally, we've totally put it backwards, mm-hmm. so that the ch- the world is influencing the church, as yes. we're inviting the church, we're inviting the world into the church. Yep, and, and then you so have to change. You have to change your methods once you get you know worldly people into the church. In order, you have to do something in order to keep them. If you preach. Right. The whole counsel of God, including repentance right. about sin and and even prophecy and God's warnings and judgment, they're not going to like it. So you've got to do yeah. something to keep them there. Claude, I want to jump way ahead. Uh, okay. Just I want to get this in before we run out of time. In yeah. chapter ten, one of the most fascinating to me. So many points in Daniel. You know, um, you know the, the fiery furnace and the the lion's yeah. den, and um, you know d- them choosing to to obey God, not man, and. and uh, Chapter 10, though, Daniel had been praying and um, he and fasting. Yep, praying and fasting. And it says he's by the, the great river, the Tigris. And he says, I lifted my eyes, looked up, and then he's described this man. Um, and verse 11, I'm jumping ahead and you can fill in the, mm-hmm. the gaps. I just want to get to this part. It's fascinating when we right. think of spiritual warfare in our lives, in Daniel's life. He said to me, O Daniel, man greatly beloved, understand the words that I speak to you and stand upright, for I have now been sent to you. So this is the angel of the Lord. And while he was speaking to me, I stood trembling. And he said to me, quote, Do not fear, Daniel, for from the first day that you set your heart to understand and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response of your words, because of your words. Now there's more. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, and behold, Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. For I had been left alone there with the kings of Persia. Please uh, just unpack that a little bit, Claude, from uh, your commentary. Well, you know, um, if there's one thing that Christians... uh, that Christians ignore and that, that, you know are complacent about its prayer. When you go to church, churches, how many prayer meetings? Maybe you have a, you know, the the unique church like Brooklyn Tabernacle in the city that it's built on prayer. Their their prayer meetings are are, are full mm. with people desiring to pray. But for the most case, I think the most common scenario is that in the church if you have a prayer meeting, no one shows up. Maybe a few people show up. Where are the prayer warriors today? And in Daniel, the one of the, the people that God uses in Scripture are people who prayed. I encourage your listeners, if you ever want to read about what true prayer is, look up the, the author E.M. Bounds. Yes. And look at some of his books. He's written like a, like a dozen small, thin books, but they are so powerful, and they have such a, a rich uh, description of what true prayer is, you know, that they're there should be red hot, or prayer should be red hot, and it's just a, an, an awesome thing. So Daniel was a man of prayer. It's also interesting that in chapter 9 and chapter 10, the way Daniel is referred to as beloved, my beloved of God. Mm-hmm. You know, when we pray, you know, it just endears us to the Lord. You know, and so, so here's Daniel. He's, he's praying. He's fasting. Right, he's fasting too, yeah. and we could talk all about fasting as a spiritual weapon. Okay, mm. um, but he's praying, and and then f- the the angel says that we heard your prayer from the f- when you first started it, and now it's twenty twenty three days later, and now we're coming to answer it. And then in verse thirteen, the explanation for the delay is right. that the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me twenty one days. 
Okay, so you know, the, here's the, here's another thing, and a thing that we see in Daniel, we see in the Book of Acts, we see in the Bible that we that we often forget is we are in a spiritual war. Amen, brother. We're in it. We're in a spiritual war. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this age. The 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 devil. Right? Peter said in First Peter chapter five verses eight and nine. He says. Your adversary, right? Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Resist him, steadfast in the faith. How might we do that? In prayer. I think part of the problem with the church, the reason that the, the church has wandered so far from its moorings, is that we're prayerless. And so we're doing everything in our own strength. That's and, and that's just kind of evolved into all this kind of, you know, Madison Avenue marketing or all of these things. You know, you know, you know. One time, someone went to um, C. H. Spurgeon's church. Some young men going into ministry, and he told them, "Before we do anything, I want to take you to to the furnace, to the engine of this church. Why this church is so successful." And so he took them to the, an area under the church that was like a boiler room, and then he passed through that into this large room, and there were 700 people praying wow. for the services wow. of that church, you know? And, and, you know, bro, so when we talk about spiritual warfare, you know, we, we, all, we think of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through um, 17, but mm-hmm. don't forget verses 18 and 19, which talk about prayer we how do we put the armor on through prayer you know and i and i think um because of prayerlessness we become very shallow but because it but if we become prayerful i think we'll become substantial and the lord will use us like he did uh, like he did daniel amen in these uh, in this great book of daniel amen brother it's, so there's so much in there i mean i'm i'm convicted yeah. i admit my prayer life could be a lot better than it is yeah. and i hope our listeners are taking this to heart because yeah. that is one of the spiritual disciplines and it's not about doing works this is really yeah. an, a relationship with god and you mentioned prayer and fasting the bible tells us yeah. fasting yields spiritual benefits yeah. and then we're more more uh, tuned to the needs of others so I need to do that, and I hope that you, my wife and I will do that soon. But we need to just yeah. make that decision. I hope other people yeah. will kind of heed that call. And that's, that was just such a great analogy. Um, Spurgeon's power didn't come from him. It was the Holy Spirit, but it was also the prayers of believers. Uh, Claude, we've got to take another break already. Okay. I want to encourage you guys. Uh, it's a brand-new book from my brother, Pastor Claude Stoffer. And it's called Don't Give Up, Don't Give In, God is My Judge, an inductive study of the book of Daniel, available on Amazon. And I'll put it in the podcast notes at standupforthetruth.com. When we come back, we're going to wrap up some final thoughts on the book of Daniel. We do need to talk about what's going on uh, in our government as well for a little bit. Coming up on Stand Up For The Truth. Thank you for listening and sharing today's show via StandUpForTheTruth.com slash podcast. Now, back to Stand Up For The Truth. Here's David Fiorazzo. Coming up, we do need to address uh, why Christians should not support this idea of student loan forgiveness, um, the ways that the this bailout by the government is immoral, and we'll, sh- we'll share some scriptures on that in just a few minutes, but we do need to wrap up. Unfortunately, this is a very thick book. How many pages is your book, Claude? Uh, I think it's 522 pages. <laughs> oh, my I, goodness. I my goodness. Yeah. yeah, it's on the book of Daniel, so, of course, there's a lot of meat in there. Um, before yeah. we go on, we've got to remind everybody, just three weeks from today, the Prophecy Conference in Appleton, Wisconsin, at Calvary Chapel, uh, that takes off September 9, 10, and 11, and you can get information online about that, so make sure to check it out. It's Actually, I'm sorry, it's two weeks away. Um Wow, we're in the end of August already. So here we go. Let's go to the fiery furnace. That's one of the stories, Claude, that a lot of people are most familiar with from the book of Daniel. And that was another example of them standing up and doing what is right, even though they weren't guaranteed. I mean, an angel didn't come and say, hey, by the way, Daniel, if you stand up, you know, you're going to be saved. No, he, they didn't know. So share a little bit about that. And let's wrap up this, this, uh, chapter. Well, well, cha- Chapter three of Daniel is uh, is uh, is uh, introduced by chapter two. In chapter two, um, 
Um, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream in the night that troubles him. None of his none of his sorcerers or soothsayers or magicians or you know those who, his ministers could interpret the dream. And he said, "Well, you guys ought to be able to not only interpret the dream, but tell me what the dream I had was." You see, and it was kind of like he he was it's, he's almost fed up with his with his uh, sources there, and so he he said, "If you can't tell me what my dream was, then I'm going to wipe out all my all the magicians in the land." Right. So when Daniel and his heard about this, he went to Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and they prayed, and the Lord gave Daniel this this this. Uh, give him a vision of what the dream was and an explanation of what it meant. Mm-hmm. And what it basically was, without going into great detail, is is four kingdoms succeeded by a fifth of, of world empires that were going to succeed uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Okay? So in chapter 3, what does we have Nebuchadnezzar's response, and it's a defiant response, because what he does is the, the, the image in chapter 2 was different different materials right you had the the the, um, the head of gold you had the the, the you know you had bronze you had metal you had metal uh, iron mixed with clay you had these different metals all representing different stages different qualities of these empires in chapter 3 Nebuchadnezzar makes a, a statue of pure gold mm-hmm. in other words he's defying he's saying my kingdom will never end Right. Wow. And so he set up a day that everyone would have to bow and worship at this idol. Mm-hmm. In comes Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, and they refuse to bow. Why? Because as a Jew, they know that they shall you shall serve no other gods besides me. The Lord says, and so so what we see in chapter in chapter three is is them not compromising, right? And and um, let's see, you see, when when they are confronted, and when they respond, it says in verse sixteen of chapter three, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this way. They're saying this to the probably the mightiest most powerful uh, uh, you know monarch of that day mm-hmm. who had their lives he could he could he could he could destroy them at a at a at a single command but listen to their response verse 17 yes. if that is the case right if 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 we don't worship you're going to throw us into this fiery furnace as a penalty okay they say if that is the case our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and He will deliver. He will deliver us from your hand, O King. But verse eighteen is really the key. Yes, verse eighteen is the key. But if not, right? But if not, let it be known to you, O King, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the God, the, the gold image which you have set up. You see, but if not. You see, we live in a very utilitarian, a very uh, functional, what's in it for me uh, environment right now, right? If, if does Christianity work for me? Is the question that people are asking, and that's the wrong question. The question is: is is Christianity real? Is God real? Is Christ God in the flesh real? Right? Is the Spirit? real and if he is if he is our creator if he is our sustainer if he is a god of grace and power then no matter what happens in this life right no matter what penalty or sacrifice we're called upon to make we still worship god amen right amen. and that's the the that's one of the things that we see. We see a compromised church. We see a weak church. We see a, a flabby, spiritually flabby church that, you know, we only do those things which serve our purposes. But, you know, it's not about us. It's about the Lord. Yes. And, and what he has done for us by grace in Jesus Christ, offering us forgiveness for our sins, which have separated us from him. And, and not only forgive us, but give us new life by indwelling us with the Holy Spirit. And then, on top of all of that, 
including us in his plans to redeem this world, redeem the, the lost of this world, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's, you know, you know, in, in Ephesians chapter 3, one of the things it says, as Paul finishes one of his great prayers, he says, God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all we ask or think. That's our God, yeah. right? Amen. That's our God. And if, and if you suffer a little bit or if you lose a little bit or maybe you pray something and don't get the answer that you want, that should not deter us from 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 following the Lord, from obeying the Lord. And that's another thing, obedience. You know, Jesus said in, 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 the, in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, verse 15 and verse 21, he says, if you love me, obey me. Obey Amen. me. And you see, these three in Daniel chapter 3, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they loved the Lord. They were committed to the Lord. And because of that, they were not going to bow and cause offense and bring offense to their Lord. And, and so that's such, that's such a powerful message. You know? And then, you know, the other thing is, is that in the midst of the fiery furnace, they, when they were thrown in, their clothes was not even singed. And on top of that, one like the Son, the, the, the son of Man was there with them. And that powerfully impacted Nebuchadnezzar. Many believe, if you, you read my book, I discuss it, but many believe that as a consequence, uh, Nebuchadnezzar actually came to the Lord, actually gave his life to the Lord. I, I, at that, I'm kind of inclined to, to, to believe that that's what happened. Mm. But it would not have happened if they would have bowed. Exactly. Right? Exactly. That's, see, that's, where's our faith? To stand firm to risk not being accepted by society, and to trust the Lord to use our holiness, our sanctification, our distinctive difference from the lost world to attract the world to Him. Amen, brother. Hey, uh, Claude, we've got to put a, a bow on that and wrap it up and let people who want to read more of the commentary on your inductive study of Daniel to check out the book. It's on Amazon, and at, it's available through your church as well. But it's called Don't Give Up, Don't Give In, God is My Judge. And it's by Claude Stauffer, S-T-A-U-F-F-E-R. So, Claude, we've got to transition now and talk about something that's important that's going on. Now, this is a different issue, but it's affecting the whole country, and Christians need to know how to respond. I you know, might say it's socialist policy, but let's talk about why I believe the administration just wants to buy some votes coming up in the midterm elections. And they're focusing on, as you say, the youth. They're trying to get high school kids and college kids. And student loan forgiveness. There's ways that Biden's student loan bailout is immoral. And I just want to point people to one scripture. We can talk about many and whatever comes to your mind, Claude. Um, Psalm thirty-seven twenty-one: the wicked borrows and does not pay back. So a couple of these principles on why we shouldn't support this uh, if, if you don't know the news, friends, if you haven't been keeping up, uh, Joe Biden announced Wednesday that he and his administration, through our tax dollars, by the way, but the administration is going to cancel up to uh, ten to $20,000 in student loan debt per person. And I'm thinking, is this not unjust to all those who put themselves through college, worked several jobs, took years and years to pay off student loans, and now this generation gets a break? because they're being more irresponsible with their debt. But, Claude, it says it incentivizes the bad behavior of borrowers, and also it rewards the bad behavior of college administrators, doesn't it? Share your thoughts briefly, and I'll go through a couple more points in this article. You know, when you look at this administration, the Biden administration, and you look from the very start uh, what they have done, you know, not remove the pipeline so that we're no longer energy independent, mm-hmm. right? On um, purpose. Do, let let, let uh, gas prices skyrocket. Let inflation skyrocket. And then come and, and offer this um, loan forgiveness what, that, that, we, that anyone with a, with a third-grade education knows that, that if you just keep spending and spending and spending and no one, has, no one pays back what they borrowed – it just brings everything crashing down. You see, that's the we think. Wow, that's is he just stupid? Is he is this is this just mm. just you know poor planning? It's all purposeful. Yep, by design. They they, they want to bring 
this this federal republic, this democracy, this capitalist system down. They want to bring it down so they can reset it in a socialist uh, in a socialist system. Now you might say, "Wow, socialism is great. Everyone is equal. Everybody will be in a level playing field." Yeah, all of us peons will be will be all like that. You know, uh, like uh, like uh, what is it? Charles Schwab says, "You'll own nothing and you'll love it." Right? Yeah. You'll own, you'll own nothing. And you'll, you'll be happy. It. You'll be happy. That's right. Yeah, we'll have nothing. The Great they, Reset. They will have everything. The elites. Control of everything. Yeah. Right? I mean, look at the the pandemic. You know, now the CDC has come out and said that basically the vaccinated and the unvaccinated are equal now. <laughs> as far as right? immunity, so yeah. What, is that, what about if you lost your job because you didn't get vaccinated? What Where about, is the justice in that? You yes. see, it's... It's it's just it's it's just a there's a strategy there's an underlying strategy and the things that we think are absurd and irrational there's really there's really a strategy behind them they're very purposeful and uh, it's really kind of it's 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 ang it's it causes anger and aggravation and and it's just you know it's it's a terrible it's a terrible situation but you know what about um, you know when you talk about loan forgiveness. Um, is it is is it righteous to have someone pay double and pay not even double just for themselves but for others like mm. all those people wow. that paid their loans yeah are now going to be paying for the loans of others who didn't have the stewardship or the scruples or the integrity to pay off their loans themselves you know it's just so unjust on so many levels and you know what? It it just it plays to carnality, right? Yep. Even Christians, oh, I can I can I need to get out of twenty thousand dollars, thirty thousand dollars out of my school loan. Man, I'll be free. I'll be able to do stuff. You know, I'll be able to use that money elsewhere. I can use that money for ministry. You know, but it, it's just it's just completely. You know, it it doesn't speak of to character. No, it doesn't, it doesn't speak to to integrity, to honesty. To good stewardship, to fairness, it's just so wrong in so many ways. It is, Claude. I just got to mention a couple other points from this article before we have to wrap up. We've got less than yeah. two minutes, but I love one article. I'll post it in the blog at StandUpForTheTruth.com. Bad morality leads to a bad economy, and this is bad policy. It's unconstitutional. It intense, intensifies the bad behavior of government. But what about the question, why shouldn't people with other kinds of debts receive the same kind of, quote, forgiveness? So isn't this at its root also, Claude, partiality? And, and we know that God is no respecter of Absolutely. persons, but this is partiality. Yeah. So the let's young, get rid of that credit card debt. Yep, yep. They're, let's, they're, get they're, rid of, let's get rid of our mortgages. Yeah, exactly. Let's get, rid of, let's get rid of our car loans. By the way, my right. mortgage, my mortgage uh, identifies as a student loan. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, Claude, we got to go. We got to leave it on that note. Threw a little humor in there at the end, but thank you so much. Uh, God bless you, brother. Again, friends, check out his uh, inductive study of the book of Daniel on Amazon. God bless you, Claude. God bless, bro. All right, coming up Monday, former transgender Laura Perry will be here, and hopefully we're going to have her husband. She just got married. We're going to have him uh, chime in a little bit as well on Monday. Former New Ager Doreen Virtue coming up on Tuesday talking about the chosen, Mormonism, Jesus Calling, and maybe female pastors. Uh, Pastor James Coates from Canada. On Wednesday, John Haller, Prophecy Update on Thursday. And I've got, I've got to run. Uh, thank you guys so much. Have an awesome weekend. God bless you. And as always, keep speaking the truth about things that matter. <laughs>